the Zeitgeist features four different personalities who provide their spin on what's being talked about right now in today's culture. Their conversations include current news, celebrity culture, politics, and more. The moderator starts and ends each discussion. The comedian holds nothing back. The wild card keeps you on your toes. And the analyst breaks it all down into easy-to-understand points. Welcome to the Zeitgeist. Episode 21. Hello, and welcome to another week of the Zeitgeist. Another week? Yes, another week. (laughs) We're so happy (laughs) to be back again. I'm Brandy, your moderator, and I'm joined today by Ayana, the comedian. Hello, good people. Hello. Chauncey, the analyst. Hola, que tal? And Chris, connoisseurs of sport. What's up, guys? What's up? I'm back for another laborious week. Look at that. Look at that. (laughs) So. Laborious. (laughs) <laughs> that's, how Brandy, that's how Brandy said it. Said it like that. We're back again. We're back again. Another yeah. tortured week. <laughs> but Monday you have off. It's MLK day. Yay! That is true. Speaking of MLK, look at that perfect lineup, Mr. Analyst. Heading <laughs> right into the sizzle. We are celebrating a black man who did so much for the civil rights movement in regards to African Americans. <laughs> However, the Oscars could not say they did the same. Uh-oh. Last week, nominations came out and there was not a black person in sight. Yet again, the uh, no black Oscars hashtag. I might be totally... Oscar so white. white. Oscar yeah. so white hashtag. The problem, Brandy, is you know how to conjugate. That's why you were having a hard time. Yeah, you have to go, you have to, you have to, yeah. you know, tap to into your inner, you know, hood. On, yeah. I mean, uh, Oscar's so white. Um, got, uh, <laughs> Active again, thanks to this. Um, thanks to this choice. Um, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna push this nominees, over to right? our. Nominees, right? It's the yeah. on the nominees. Correct. Released. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to give this over to our, um, to our analyst who also has a show called Why Watch That. That's all about movies, TV shows. Um, so how do you feel about this analyst? Well, just so everyone can see it, if you go to uh, the LA Times article about this, they have a picture of all the nominees. <laughs> <laughs> so you can see a sea of white. Now, what I think was... Um, a sea of white? Yeah, it is a sea of white. Now, as now, in white people. As in white people. Okay. Now, white faces. <laughs> there now, you go. What I'll say is they are trolling a bit because they threw in Inuritu because he's nominated for director and the man's Mexican. Now that's yeah, wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know they. I didn't know they did that. Oh yeah, they have all the nominees. It's it's all twenty major nominees. Uh, okay. um, let me make sure it's twenty. Twenty five. Um, all twenty five of them. And he's thrown in there, and I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> he's Mexican. So, but you know, he's the only one of of color, we can say. Uh, now, here's the thing: the Academy president Cheryl Boone Isaacs is a black woman. She came into that position in 2013, and she has been trying to bring more uh, diversity into the Academy itself. Also, the Academy has this outreach program to. Um, bring more people of color and and women uh, behind the scenes, right? And of Hollywood, power, correct? Yes. Yeah. On the, right. So she's trying to change this. The thing is, the movie industry, everyone moves very slowly. It they know what their movies are going to be years in advance. That's why you get, for instance, Marvel release dates in 2017, last year. Mm-hmm. They know. Uh, So if you want to change it, it's not going to happen this year or next year. It would have to be at least three years out. So that's why that program's five years. So there we go with that. The other thing, the Academy is made mostly, uh, most of the Academy members are old white men. Now, again, she's been trying to change this. Ava DuVernay was just brought into the Academy and others. 
but still, that's the majority of people. So what are their tastes going to be? Because if you're thinking of best picture, um, even if I like a picture, where am I ranking it? Because if you don't rank it in one of the top spots, it's probably not going to make it, even though you liked it. So if people liked Straight Outta Compton, but didn't like it enough to put it in the top spot or second spot, it has no chance. Uh, so there are all these things that go into it. But the main thing is this. Hollywood is so white. Hello? They can only nominate based on the inventory. Right. Now, if you have a few movies that are black, this is what people are talking about, that's not enough. And the, the main problem is this. Why do we need a black movie? Why that's, can't it be yes. why can't it be women and and minorities in regular movies? Then they'd have a better shot at getting yes. nominated. That's my yeah, that's, that's what, my that's what Viola right. Davis was saying during her acceptance speech. At the Emmys, right. Yeah, she was just like, there you just aren't we can't be nominated if there aren't any roles for us to right. be nominated. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So it shouldn't it shouldn't be, oh well Creed is a black movie or oh straight out of Compton is a black right. movie. Why aren't you why aren't you nominating that? No, it should be that there's so so much diversity in all movies that it doesn't matter and that they will have to nominate people right. of color and women. Uh, like it becomes a representation in, in the product. Exactly. And then here's right. the other thing. Here's the other thing. It's because studio heads are white men. No. Most directors, white men. Okay, it's when you get to the people in the powerful positions, they're all white men for the majority. Oh, yeah, and oh. the people giving them money to produce. Spike Lee is getting his honorary um, Oscar. He already accepted it, but we'll see that. Uh, as a part of this ceremony and he called them out in his acceptance speech of course and said just that he said look if I walk into this boardroom and there are no people of color and no and no you know women of color then it's not gonna get financed it doesn't even matter right so all of that to end on this the difference between movies and TVs is time as well as mm-hmm. I was saying before TV is a much quicker turnaround so that's why we're seeing so much diversity at this moment. But I will caution everyone, when it, even when it comes to TV, that this has happened before on TV where we get these boomlets, where you get th- these time periods where there's a lot of minorities and then it goes away. Now, the only argument against that this time is that there's so many outlets and so many shows they need that it's almost impossible for them to ignore minorities. So that's my take as the critic. <laughs> On that, um, and plus, do you really care about the Oscars? Like, do you care? I think people just want something to complain about, or whenever we're excluded from something, everybody has something to say. But to me, and, and this is probably a stretch, that whole Black Lives Matter campaign, where there's no actual, this is what we're asking for. I feel like that's how it is with the Oscars so white. I think if you go back and say, hey, can you, some of these roles don't need to have a white woman. Some of these roles, you can have a woman of color in them. Right. Uh, then, you know, that would be a better, instead of just complaining, just say, here, here are some suggestions on how we can alleviate this Oscar so white yeah, issue. But again, you're going to need the people behind the scenes, the ones, the ones pulling, pulling the strings. They have to be people of color. They have to be women of color in, in particular to put women and minorities as directors to get producers who can do that. I mean, it, it, that's where it goes to. It's not yeah. the Oscars. The Oscars is the end of the chain. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not the beginning of it. Right. And they're a bunch of white men. <laughs> I mean, that's what they are. I think it's like every other um, racial issue, I'll just call it in any other walk of life, right? The executors or the people that are that control the money or do the funding or really have the control of the entire industry are the ones that are going to dictate how things are created and then consequently at the end of the line like you're saying when you're awarding something if you can't find mm-hmm. even if you're looking Rudy, do you really have a, a tangible amount of things to nominate right. I'll tell you another thing when you don't have diversity how does if I am a Joe White man Okay, right, and I'm I'm 56, 60 years old. How do I experience straight out of Compton? Exactly. Yeah, right. That's what I'm Whether saying. it's good or not, I don't. I'm gonna assume that you know. Forgive me, 
okay for being presumptuous if there's some 60 year old white men that, that do understand what's going on with that how do I judge that right how yeah. do I judge that how do I determine whether that is in my world or in my mind how do I situate that and say okay that was great filmmaking when I don't even understand where it comes from exactly and does it, that make it, any sense you know what I mean yeah it may be intimidating and just to wrap it up on because that's a good point remember who produced Straight Outta Compton Dr. Dre True. and yes. Ice Cube. Hello, black. This is that's the whole point. So it, you have to get those behind the scenes factors uh, to make these things work. Um, I, hey, but I think it's very important to back up. I think the key here is what we said maybe a couple of minutes ago is that it's not about making the black movie where ninety five percent of the movie is is is, is black <laughs> because it's a black story. It's yeah. about having a movie. Maybe it's funded by white people that we would consider to be a white movie because it's 95 to 100% white to diversify the cast yes. somewhat. And even the director, like like what right. Spike Lee um, did. What was that movie? The one, the bank robber movie, right? Yeah, the Inside. The Inside. Inside. Inside, inside Man. Yeah, whatever it's called. Yeah, when right. he did that. that. Like that kind of thing. And then you can see what's going on behind the whole thing. But still, it's financed. And it shouldn't take a Spike Lee to have a diverse cast. Right. That's not, that's not a black movie, but that's kind of that's more in the lines of what we're talking about when you have um, um, uh, Denzel as the lead detective right. versus um, geez. In search of my person? No. Clive Owen, right. Clive Owen, yeah. Right. That's not a black movie. Yeah, you get a Jodie Foster as well in the major position. Chiwetel yeah. his lieutenant, right? Um, Denzel's lieutenant. So, again, diversity. Not, quote, black movie, end quote. Or, quote, white movie, end quote. But diversity. Something that reflects life a little more. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Mad Max is interesting, though, I will say. Well, you have gender gender diversity there. You do. You have gender diversity there. Right, right. Also, Zoe Kravitz is black. Yeah. So, and she was in yes. it as one of the wives. So, that movie to me is interesting, and people aren't talking about yeah. it in that way. Especially the way you play, um, when you have Furiosa, who was played by uh, Shelley's Theron, mm-hmm. right, being really the strength of the movie to a degree. When we also had um, Mad Max, who wasn't weak. So you see, one time, sometimes to elevate one, you have to. Uh, right. Sublimate the other or weaken the other, and I think that movie was great from the, the the perspective of or from the angle of they were all strong, but it didn't minimize the strength of Furiosa, who was the female um, um heroine, female heroine. And really, she's the yeah. <laughs> but the heroine in the movie. Yeah. Excuse my. And she's the name. lead, really, even right. more than she's the lead, though, right? Yeah. Even though it's it's by name, well by name, I guess right kind of his movie we know those movies as being Mad Max movie and and the hero being a male uh is the male dominated movie but not that but not this yeah yeah. not this one but at the same time I think it's key to note that he was not defanged or declawed he wasn't weakened and and the director George Miller was talking about the reason why Furiosa was the lead Mm-hmm. Because of the whole story, so we're not getting into that. But yes, you're right. And and it, another way to look at it, like you're saying, is to see that you don't have to uh, put uh, one person down, one group down to elevate another. Right. We can all. You can have multiple characters of strength. Politics. So eight years ago, America decided to uh, try some diversity, and we got a black president. Is that why you didn't say that? <laughs> Right, the time of the hell, right? <laughs> a little experiment. <laughs> <laughs> and we got uh, Mr. Barack Obama as our president. And uh, this week he gave his last State of the Union address. Um, everybody's calling it pretty, uh, what, un- unconventional. Um, and yeah, I mean, yeah. I didn't watch it. I don't have I don't have much to say about um, I never the State of the Union does nothing for me I just watch kind of read read all of the cliff notes which are you know the news summaries the next day um, any of you guys happen to watch it no oh, no. No. <laughs> no nobody watch it okay the State of the Union is for politics geeks really and and a, really a subset of them um it, so when it comes to it it's a big pep talk. 
that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, the US, USA Today did a bunch of articles on it that if you're interested, you can check them out. It gives you a good overview of it. Uh, like, you, like you were saying, Brandy, people are saying it's unconventional. Uh, Obama went light on policy. Well, it's his last one. I mean, mm-hmm. okay. Uh, he did swipe at the Republican nominees, not by name, but by deed. So, you know, and then the Republicans are going, uh, I think, uh, what's his face? The, the um, Speaker of the House came out and said, Paul oh, Ryan. that's not, yeah, Ryan, Paul Ryan, that's not, uh, that's not presidential. Presidents don't do that, whatever. Um, so he did that. Uh, they also talked about him focusing on the future because he wants his legacy to be protected. And this is a part of the Democratic nomination process this year between uh, notably Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders, who is going to uh, make progress based on what Obama did and who's going to blow it up. Um he fought back on fear, of course, after these uh, terrorist attacks. He didn't acknowledge the guests, which was strange. Mm. So he didn't acknowledge them as in, in any way. And he didn't mention guns for the most part. I think they said he had one mention of guns. But that's because he had those ex- executive actions. And I guess he's going, whatever, I, there's nothing else I can do. Uh, now, the other thing about the State of the Union is uh, the governor of South Carolina, Nikki Haley her response for the Republicans. Uh, Typically, that's just from the Republican perspective, but she did take it to some Republicans herself, and that led to this whole back and forth between she and Donald Trump, or not even back and forth, Donald Trump responding to her and her smiling. Okay, so good, whatever. Um, So we have that. All of this to say that it doesn't matter. Anybody else have something to say? (laughs) (laughs) Now, I mean, as someone who um, follows politics probably less and less every day, I, I'm just tired of it all. And I'll say this: it seems like there's there are these fault lines in each party. The part, you know, not the you don't used to, I think, to a degree, have Democrat versus Republican, right? Which you do have. Don't get me wrong, but you also have within the party you have these subdivisions, right? Where you have liberal extreme versus. Um, moderate. moderate and then in the Republican Party you have conservative extreme would you call them that I don't know what you call them well you have Tea Party Tea Party so right I guess you call that. You and do. then you have establishment Republican right you do have establishment and then you also have libertarians hmm. they, they would consider themselves to be separate from the Republican Party though when they, even though they I know we no, have Brandon Paul they, they can consider that all they want they're all Republicans no I understand yeah I understand yeah. So the, so that is like, like, Bernie, like Bernie Sanders, for instance, isn't a Democrat. He's an independent. Right. See, but libertarians, so, most of them are Republicans. That's, you know, when you, if right. you're electing them, they're Republicans. So that is a part of the Republican Party. Uh, Bernie Sanders calls himself now a Democratic Socialist. So, okay. Right. Well, again, and that, that's another discussion about having the resources of the party available to you and what that means, right? Exactly. Like under a big tent. But I'm not gonna, we're not going to get into that hopefully right now but um there's a lot of infighting is my point mm-hmm. um and i think to like you said obama and, and joe biden more famously earlier on when he was in self-righteous mode um was talking about he was going after people that they went after he and obama's legacy right mm-hmm. so i think as, as you were saying um it, it, there was a lot of that protection of what we've done right Right. And being able to build on that to achieve these long term goals. Right. I believe one of the, 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 the major notables was he, he mentioned uh, cure for cancer and how we should all aspire to it. And they and they, not aspire to it, but we should, you know, this is something that should come out of this progress. Just like I think they compared it to the moonshot that, that Kennedy. Gave. Yes. Uh, yeah. It was at, right. So and they want um, this database so that uh, scientists can go yeah, in and see yeah, DNA strands. Uh, the history of that, though, everybody it tells us that it's not going to work. That's right. Just, but and that points to, I guess, my, my overall. Unfortunately. Point and why I'm just not. It's like, you know, I kind of yawn. It's it's just grandiosity. It's a whole... Well, it's know, political theater. Right. Um, and it's not yeah. going to... It doesn't affect anything to me of of, the, of any substance. It's just bereft of substance. So you have a lame duck president giving a state of the union. Right. It's not, you know. 
Right. But I mean, but like you said, and and the, the put a put a bow on it. Like you said, that's not the intention of these things anyway. So, right. Um, to come full circle, I'm with you. Who cares? All that to say, who cares? <laughs> Do you ladies care? Are you inspired? No. <laughs> Odd news. But speaking of duck, let's talk oh, about all these. <laughs> these transitions, though. You can share your duck now. Yes. <laughs> there is a uh, a new app recently released by the name of Homemade that allows you to build build community around food. So, um, this week in a Daily Mail headline, would you pay to eat a stranger's leftovers? Not really sure if that is the best way to present this application. However, um, yeah, everybody's getting in on the, uh, I guess you call it the on-demand technology um, arena these days. I think the one thing I'll say, and I probably will let other people take over on this, is the word choice leftovers yeah. that just doesn't sound good but that's the daily mail's word, word. I, I, tr- well they need to call the daily mail because as soon as i see that in the headline <laughs> i want no part like of it poor. like that's that's <laughs> right. you well, you are you're time poor according to the yes right so, yeah, when, that that, when i see like leftovers <laughs> right when it's not leftovers i'm picturing you know them bringing over a a, a cheeseburger with a bite out of it yeah <laughs> You know, hey man, you want this? Yeah, hey, I go, I'm not gonna finish it. I can cut, I can cut that part off. You will you know, it's okay. So, but you know, that's headline writers. They always do. I know, do I know it. I know it. Uh, but but what they do say, um, which this is kind of going to what you were talking about. Uh, they talk. It's basically like okay, you cook something and you have extra portions left over. I think that's what they call it, extra portions. Okay. Um, Now, what they say is that this is going to bring people together in the community. Uh, The app uses GPS, so if you log in, then you can see if anyone in your area has some food for you. And um, they can determine how much they want you to pay for it based on how elaborate it is, the ingredients, etc. So you can go over and pick it up, pay via the app, and meet some new people, right? Um, so it's it's a way to to build community around food. Do you trust uh, people to push? Do you people all do? Eat with is like eat with is is an app. Same way, diff, different f- format where you will host a dinner. So you can say, hey, I'm going to make a I don't know Caribbean inspired meal. Who wants to buy in? And then you come over to this person's house. You pay with other strangers to come over to this person's house or whatever venue they're hosting it in and eat so i thought the con when i heard about this concept i thought oh, there's no way this is gonna work but it's wildly popular it's um started out in europe and now it's here and people love it and and i'm thinking maybe it might be a cultural thing um be. because I, I mean, as a black person like i mean you just kind of grow up with your mother telling you not to eat over certain people's <laughs> right. houses you know what i mean like that's really what it gets down to so every time you think about you know this community of food from random people it's kind of hard to believe that you could build like a mark there's a real viable marketplace around leftover food or just food from people you don't know right mm-hmm. now the app they the app makers say that they do go into these homes of the people who want to cook and inspect and, and and make sure that uh they have safe food practices so, it'll okay, so did, wait, uh-huh. just, just to be clear these are the people that uh, the custodians of the app or the creators that do, who who's tasked with that? I don't know. The makers say that they will. They didn't say who. I guess they have a team of people. Well, does that mean they're accredited? Like they're? I, I mean, don't know. I look. They, they have a lot of questions. They, okay. look, they 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 are they are somehow are going to get these people <laughs> these guidelines, and I think it'll be just as safe as your neighborhood restaurant. Yeah, I mean these days that's very that's true. But, and again, this is maybe perfect world, but the idea with restaurants is they're being monitored by an agency, right? That supposedly has the expertise. True, but just work with me here. Supposedly has the people on staff and people that are trained to inspect and sniff out potential problems, right? 
this is what we all essentially have to believe in if we're going to eat out with peace of mind. But see, this is my challenge, right? I hear everything that you're saying. Imagine you're like, okay, cool. So I order whatever and I go to pick up my food and there's some cat just chilling on the counter. You know what I mean? And other unsavory things that I, I notice while I get there picking up my food. Is there a refund policy? I mean, you get there and it's just disgusting. Because we've seen people that look clean and you show up at their apartment and you're like, ew, this is what you came out of? Yeah, well, yeah, I think yeah, that's I'm the only one thinking about it. Well, to the point I'm saying, when it comes to restaurants, you know, even though, you know, I'm, I'm cynical as well about are they truly clean, they do have to answer to someone. Well, I think I think that if we think about right. how this app is, that you do you answer to the community because I think the the tagline is something like uh, build community with food or something like that, or join the food community. So we're talking about building a food community. The community's responsibility is to make sure that they hold each other accountable. So if I come to your house, you got flies flying around, cats nibbling on the foil that my plate is wrapped up in. I'm going to share that with the community so that they don't don't come to your house to get any more of your food. Mm-hmm. What if I cook a meat lasagna, serve it out, don't clean the pan, and then cook a veggie? <laughs> <laughs> just hypothetically speaking. When I have a restaurant, what I'm saying is, whether it's true or not, I go I'm in a restaurant situation, I'm like, okay, they have to answer to someone so I can. No, I'm, yeah, I, no. I'm not saying as as Joe Cynic. <laughs> I'm not saying I believe that, but what I'm saying is you, you at least <laughs> can throw your arms up and say, look, I'm not dealing with the, that consideration. I had this on my side. That's enough. Well, she, what she, I'm saying is that's a, that is a false notion if you think that those <laughs> government inspectors are doing anything. I, I don't, but I think just having them in place is a little different than this free well, You for just all. think it's peace of mind. That's really what you think you're right. I'm not saying I won't eat something to be, you know, in the trip bag. And the peace of mind would be what Brandy said. It would be that you have, it's just like uh, any other app um, or any other online community where people like Angie's List or whatever, Yelp, can say things and you can look and see what they said and determine whether it's uh, okay for you or not. That's what I'm saying. I need more to lie to my cell phone. But you're not their customer. (laughs) (laughs) See, you're not their customer. I think that's the issue as Brandy pointed out. All of us were raised pretty much you don't eat other people's food and that kind of, you know, we haven't been raised in that quote-unquote community culture. It becomes a word of mouth. And I guess, and I, and I think that we're also thinking about this not real, that it, it, even though you might not know this person, I think more of this is going to become word of mouth. Like, you're probably not going to go to a person who, somebody that you know, or somebody that you, who, whose opinion you trust in the community hasn't endorsed. I doubt you're just going to, it's not like seamless where you're going to open an app up and just pick a restaurant because like Chris is saying, we, we trust, I don't know why, but we trust restaurants right. for some reason. So, you go do an app. You go, hey, you know, I can just pick this out. But but you but even then, you still like you said, like Jones was saying, like you still read the reviews on Yelp for this restaurant. You still, you know, I think that I think it's just a foreign concept because we're not yes. used to the not idea to. of just going into randoms um, houses for food. And and like the Daily Mail <laughs> with the leftover verbiage didn't help either. <laughs> That doesn't really help. The, the so the, the people who, whoever created this, please control the messaging better, if you can. <laughs> but see, y'all, we're also, it, that's also an American perspective. True. Because yeah. in other parts of the world, they do this anyway. They have All restaurants the at home. Yeah, so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, okay, so we have that element too. Right, it's, mm-hmm. it's again... I am in no way saying it's a bad idea. I just don't understand it. It's not for you. And it's not for yeah. That's what I'm saying. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not attacking it. That way, I'm just saying. You know, I'm. I'm a little confused. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not getting on it either. <laughs> Health and science. The question: 2016, the year that the machines will they take over? Will the machines take over in 2016? Um. I mean, I remember growing up watching the Jetsons and just being fascinated by the whole concept of flying cars and talking to people on the phone with a video. And I mean, outside of flying cars, a lot of the stuff that we see in the Jetsons is pretty much, you know, coming to life. People have robots now. Um, 
Everybody uses Skype and or Google Hangouts to do something. We video chat consistently. Um, and now, as technology continues to advance, things like artificial intelligence, self-driving cars, uh, virtual reality, um, headpieces, going to uh, different places in the universe, they're becoming more and more real. And um, I want to pose the question, like, how do we, what is that going to do to, like, us, like the, the man, how man interacts with one another and how, how man exists in an economy? Like, how, how do we compete with the machine? How do we compete with technology? Well, you don't compete with it. What do you do? It, it's a tool. Mm. Um, you have to use it. <laughs> well, I think we're going... Yeah. I don't think we're going past the tool stage now, though, right? Because now we're going to be what? challenging. We're going. We're going to be challenging jobs that humans used to do. I That's think. what I was saying. Yeah, it's not. A, I don't think it's a. It is a competition. It's. It can your job be done by? Can it be automated? Okay, I see what you're saying. Because you lose. Competition. Because you're going to lose. Yeah, right. you're going to lose. There's no competition. I so if, if they create a, a machine that can do your job, that job is gone. I mean, they said a computer can do my job better than I can. <laughs> right. Now, the thing is, you want to be the person who controls that machine. Yeah. You want to be the one who maybe knows how to code it, knows how to fix it, how to service it. That would be the, the change. Um, and that goes into a whole education pool, and that's something different. That's um, this this was posited by TechCrunch. They asked, will this year be the, the year when machines start taking over? Start. Um, we are not at the point where uh, machines will be able to uh, do everything on their own. Um, they mentioned the movie Her, where you get that kind of advanced level of artificial intelligence, and they say that's a decade or two away. So, <laughs> wait a minute. Is it that close? <laughs> I know. Um, but now is the time to start thinking about this and to think about how you can get ahead of it. I mean, I'm sure the early humans, when they first created the wheel, said, well, what does this do for the person who was uh, carrying people? I mean, this, these questions always come up. When they first uh, figured out prefabricated houses, I'm so pe sure people were like, well, what happens to uh, the, the carpenters? I mean, it, all of these, these questions always happen with technology. Oh, we saw what happened. Exactly. So, But we have to adapt. And, and the the adaptations are not pleasant in a lot of cases, but they have. Well, I don't think our society is structured to adapt as far as when we talk about jobs. Right, but it's going to have to happen. That's why I said it, it's not going to be pleasant. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of casualties as a result, right, because we don't transition smoothly. Right, because no one, and this is a part of just being human, where the now is much more uh, in our thoughts than the future. Uh, because if we were future-thinking beings, a lot of things would be different. But so, also, what I will yeah. say is these things seem to be happening so quickly as far as as far as us uh, being informed on them. I'll put it that way. So if I, I don't know, 30 years old and in the, in, in the, uh, that's still the beginning stages of whatever career I've selected and gone to school to learn how to do, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm in the middle of that and they start bringing robots in. What's my transition? No robots. <laughs> I mean, OK, I got to go back to school and learn how to. You know what I mean? At that point, how do you pay your bills? And it's just, I, I don't know. I think it's easy to say we, you know, people have to adapt. There are going to be a lot of casualties as far as that's concerned. That's what I said. It's not going to be pretty. <laughs> it is not, but this is what happens. It's, it always happens. Yeah. People are always thrown out of what they were doing and into something else. I mean, look at what happened to farming. I mean, but what's the alternative, though? I mean, do we just not advance because people can't keep up? We, we're going to advance. It's going to happen. And it's not going to be pretty. Right. That's, I'm sorry. That's but like that's how I'm more uh, adjudicating the terminology. Like like what you just said, people can't keep. It always seems like it's, it's oh, it's the person's fault. This is language-wise. Mm. Oh, if you can't keep up, you're going to get left behind. I think that's, I mean, it needs to be a little more compassion than that, I would think. Because it's not necessarily the person's, I mean, look. If they brought in a robot to do my job, I'm telling you right now, it's going to take me a while to learn how to program or code that robot. It of make course me, it is. It's going to make me an idiot. Right, it's not going to be pretty. Yeah. It's not. It's no one's fault. That's just... Look, but this comes back to... It's right, like, that's, it's, that's more what I'm getting at, right? Yeah. The, you know, it seems like a certain set of people who are pro this, if they're going to do, we're going to mm -hmm. draw lines, 
of demarcation uh, are gonna put the blame on the worker. Oh well, that's your fault. You should you should learn how to do X Y Z, but there really is no fault per se, like you were saying. It's something that's going to happen, mm-hmm. and people are going to be thrown out of the car. It, that's what it is. The self-driving car. Well said. Business. <laughs> <laughs> well, whose fault is it that um, Ray from the Forces Awake, the Force Awakens Star Wars <laughs> toy set? It's <laughs> not included in the first collection. Who's, whose fault is that? Um, in business, well, it's not a toy set. It's um, all of the toys all connected the to that movie. All of them. Yeah, not well. That character, who's the lead, mm-hmm. the heroine. Right. Um, we're going back to this. Okay. Uh, it's not in a lot of their merchandise mm-hmm. for the movie. Now. Certain manufacturers have come out and said, I, I think there's some board game or whatever it is. They were saying, well, we didn't include the character because, yeah, maybe Monopoly, right? They were saying we didn't include her because we didn't give away, we didn't want to give away plot points from the movie. We didn't want to spoil it. And then they go, well, later on we will. But there's a trend uh, of this happening where female characters aren't represented in the whole toy merchandising of a movie as heavily as male characters. And even here, the villains are being represented in even minor ones, uh, more so than Ray. Um, And then the question is, well, how does this, I I guess their point is, toys are a way for kids to see the world Mm -hmm. and to see themselves. So if you have little girls with these toys, then they're not seeing themselves in this universe which will uh, lead to them not becoming fans of science uh, or science fiction, uh, not thinking of themselves as heroes and all of this other role play stuff. Because even in the toy aisles, I heard a discussion about this. They were talking about how it's clearly demarcated the boys sections and the girls sections. And they were saying, why can't there be overlap? Ayana, you want to weigh in on this? Um, as a person, as a woman in science and technology, yes, exactly. all of that, uh, I, I guess so, um, because it's, it's, I was always looked at somebody as, even now, in 2016, people hear that I'm an engineer, they're like, what? That's crazy! And being an engineer and a person of color, it's, it stands out, and as soon as I say, oh, my dad's also an engineer, then that becomes like the oh like the reason why that's the case um i don't know if that's the case because i was not raised with my father um i just was good in science and math and that's just the the there i there was i was not trying to take a make a stance um but i will say that i had an eighth grade woman physics teacher and she pushed me into a program at the university of maryland before going into the ninth grade it was called physics is fun with a ph uh, I have to throw the pH in there. And from there, I started seeing that, oh, this is possible because I was exposed to other women who were doing the same thing, other women of color, for that matter, who were doing the same thing. So I'm sure that had a huge impact on me going into the sciences and not seeing it as something as foreign. Now, also, while I was in school, I did see a lot of women drop out, but I also saw um, more women of color than anything else drop out and say, oh, man, this ain't for me. So I do agree that if you start exposing little girls to the science and technology field and showing them that it's not something that's foreign, that it's not something that's scary, uh, then you're going to see a rise in the number of little girls in STEM. Um, I'm not sure if we can go back to as far as games and things of that nature. Uh, I'm not sure if it's that deep because I didn't like Barbie dolls growing up. I played Nintendo. Um, and I don't know what type of impact that had on me, but I think it might be far-fetched to say that those toys, um, but I do think that if you expose little girls to science and technology, then they're going to be, they're not going to be as afraid of it as they grow up. I don't know if I answered your question. 
No, that was some good insight, and I just want to like jump in. I also think it's just about diversifying the images that they see in toys. So now you think of a girl, little girl's toy is like My Little Pony, um, like you say, Barbie dolls. Um, I don't know, some cooking pink. set. It's pink. these things, right? It's, it's pink and it's purple and it flowers and, and it's glitter. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not women. That that is definitely a side of women. Like that's we all have that like you know fluffy pink feminine side. Yep. But to sell women as only that, or to, to tell little girls from a young age that's you know that's just pretty much what you should aspire to be is that I, I feel like is a is is irresponsible. And to diversify the images, I mean, little girls can be you know you know bad, bad being good, hard, not bad being bad, bad. So. Mm-hmm. But even so, you look at people like Kim Kardashian, um, and I hate to do it like that, but she is a her, she's a great businesswoman. But you don't see that when you see her, right? See Kanye right. wife and right. the big butt and twerk and the, the, the nonsense, and the, the brows, yeah, yeah. And that's the same that you see that girly, girly side of her. And I mean, you can say the same thing about Nicki Minaj. It's you know she proclaims I'm a bad bee and I'm this, that, and the other, but it's still here's my booty and my, you know, it's still that this is how men see us as these, these very sexual creatures in that way. Um, and I have a problem with that, but I mean, that's a whole nother topic for another day. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that from a young age, if, if you get girls to just to see a more diverse view of what a female can be, you can be a, you can be a superhero, you can be a skateboarder, you can, um, you can be a, you can, you can use blocks and build stuff too. Girls can be good at math. Girls can be good at, I mean, good at science. It's not like, you know, they tell us that, but then there reaches a certain age when they also tell us, well, that's not what you're supposed to be doing. I mean, I was told since I was little, you can be whatever you want to be. And as soon as I said, I want to be a movie star, except for that, uh, you need to make sure you have, (laughs) you can pay your bills. And I mean, it's just as, as you get older, that's when people start putting limitations but I don't think it's just your parents I think it's a society in general yeah. start telling you exactly what you can and cannot be and I never thought myself a feminist um but since I've moved to New York and exposed myself more probably in the entertainment industry and gotten older and looked at how I was treated in an engineering role you know it's we are put down we are looked down upon and we're looked at as not as competent as our male counterparts so well, you know me. I think take advantage, take advantage of that with all of that STEM funding. Like I, I mean, any any women engineers that are listening, women in STEM, there is so much money available to you if you want to get into tech as an entrepreneur. So I'm just giving you guys a heads up. If you have some cool way to create software, technology, put it together, and you want to get it to market, you you can get C capital. So use it because they they're people trying to give it away, millions of dollars. Um, of funding out there just to try to give it away because not enough people, um, women, people of color, um, available in a space to get it. So I'll leave you guys with that in this section. What we don't care about. Let's head over to the what we don't care about. And I get to use El Chapo. I love any opportunity I can to say that man's name. So, um, Sean Penn had an interview um, with El Chapo, managed to track him down after he escaped from uh, from prison, and I had an interview to, to, to let him share his side. Um, I, I, people don't, I know people are angry. <laughs> Everybody's angry. Sean Penn thinks that he, his, he might get taken out by the government because of it. Um, we- I think it's also been put in harm's way by <laughs> by the govern the Mexican government has done these has strategically dropped his name so that maybe the cartels would be after him too. Mm-hmm. Is that is that, that correct? That's his, that's his speculation. Yes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because he uh, did an, an interview with Charlie Rose that's going to um, air the day that this episode comes out. Okay, in its entirety, but they did tease it on CBS this morning on Friday. And that's his concern and what he thinks the Mexican government is doing. Because he's like, look, I have nothing to do with his capture because the Mexican government's even saying we used right. what he did. That's how we found him, right? We tried right. to get El Chapo. You know, we were uh, following Sean Penn and his crew, you know, and that helped us out. And Sean Penn was like, I don't know anything about El Chapo except for what, <laughs> uh, you know, he tells me. And that's Joaquin El Chapo Guzman. So, um, 
I don't know. Do you know El Chapo? It's like means like shorty. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. So the other thing is there are people who are coming after Sean Penn for doing the interview in the first place and being and going. Well, why is it he locked up? Well, because he was acting as a reporter, and they have protections. I mean, this was what in the Rolling Stone. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. This article now. Some people I haven't read it, but some people say that it's a terrible article, terribly written. Right. Uh, <laughs> regardless, that's why. And we have a history of reporters doing that, of meeting with people who are on the lam, who are wanted, and right. not being prosecuted because that's what they do. Uh, all of that. To and say, the quality of the article is not the point. No, it's not. It's it's <laughs> are you acting in the capacity right. of an interviewer? Mm-hmm. And you know, the real point is. Who cares? They got El Chapo. They got him. Yeah, I don't. I couldn't care less. Plus, there's also a, uh, really someone that's more prominent. I believe there's a Mexican actress that really set up the meeting in between yes. El Chapo and Sean Penn, right? <laughs> yeah. So it's a big mess of I don't care. It's kind of like in, in Narcos, the Netflix series. Um, it's kind of like that. It's, it's a similar kind of setup. Um, so there we go. What's next? I mean, who yes, next is <laughs> next is our favorite segment, the Tom Fool of the week. A Tom Fool this week. This guy is up for an award in my book. Like sure. if we had a Tom Fool award ceremony, this guy would I would put him in for the nomination. <laughs> um, all right, okay. So when I read about this, I'll tell you, I bust out laughing like just like out loud for real when he said that he would pretty much he would rather be compared to the gingerbread man versus a thundercat and he quotes <laughs> he quotes the gingerbread man story run run fast as you can you can't catch me I'm the gingerbread man I mean shut up, shut up and sit down, down. Alright, I'm gonna give you some leading because this probably sounds absolutely insane. So some dude named Dub Chick Pug. Um Pew you better get it right, he'll be calling you. <laughs> he'll call me. He'll still get me on Facebook. Like you, you know my last name is Pew, right? <laughs> Did you say Dub Chip? Yeah. His street name is Chip or whatever. Yeah, but his first name is Donald, not Donald. Doug. You know what it is? I'm gonna get a call. I am. I'm like <laughs> Totally, like, not looking at the line. Hey, look look here. <laughs> Here's my name, all right? Get it right. <laughs> so, he was not happy. He, he's a wanted criminal. He uh, missed a, a court appearance. They started, uh, they being the uh, Lima Police Department, Lima, Ohio, that is, Police Department, um, put a mugshot out of this guy who, he like, he was not happy with this mugshot. He said it made him look like a Thundercat. So, yep. he sent in... <laughs> A selfie from um, he sent him a selfie from uh, his car. I guess they gave him a little more swag. Um, it started circulating around social media. The man did a radio interview um, <laughs> where he where he let us know that he would have rather been considered the gingerbread man. Right, the penalty for the gingerbread man. Right, that story. Yeah, I can always relate to that Tom fool. Like, I mean, this is the, the epitome of the Tom fool. Right yes. Now. Yeah, and first of all, he, he he classified the gingerbread man as his hero. Yes. His his grandmother um used to read him that story when he was a kid. Oh, you guys have no respect. See, Chauncey, Chauncey, thank you for bringing that to our attention. <laughs> I want to know. What, can I can I ask this? What's he wanted for? This this. Uh, they just want just for questioning, right? They just want to question him. He, he missed a court appearance. He's right, like, right. But yeah. yeah, I'm trying to figure out what 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 level of criminal we're dealing with. The they don't say. The they don't say. Yeah, yeah. The Washington Post has an article, and they don't. I don't think they get into it. They just say what Brandy said. Okay. Um, it's a warrant for his arrast for failure to appear. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it doesn't seem like he's violent or yeah, anything. He's that's what I'm for DUI, but like that's that, what I'm yeah, looking for. Yeah. Oh, here it is. Oh, here it is. Here it is. He is uh, currently a person of interest in several other cases, including for arson and vandalism. 
Okay. Well, so that that's what it is. That's it. Now, can we yeah. point out what his picture looked like? He had on some shades and um, a nice blazer. <laughs> a blazer. Yeah. 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 Steve majestic for it. Collar, right? collar flanked. That's <laughs> right. <the> blazer. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And you know, like you said, Brandy, he called into that radio station. He was the idiot of the day on yes. that classic rock station in Lima, Lima Ohio. Um, so, you know, they beat us to it. And now he's the Tom Fool of the Week, so he's graduating. Look, let me tell you, this guy, okay, you will not rob him of his 15 minutes. <laughs> he said, look, I'm getting it. And when I'm getting it, y'all gonna make me look a certain way. So this mugshot, replace it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Not gonna look like a thundercat. That is funny. He did look like a thundercat, though. Nobody <laughs> said it. You looked at it. You didn't think that. That really looked like a thundercat. That was accurate. He also look. He was standing in the middle of town square, holding the sign that says "Not Guilty." <laughs> then he was sitting in a bunker next to Chapo Guzman, trying to build the tunnel to get to McDonald's. This is what the radio show hosts were saying to make fun of him. Um, now he described himself as the hometown hero because of all of this attention. And he says he was arrested on a DUI. Here it is. A few nights before Thanksgiving and failed to appear in court on December 28th. Okay. He said, I just chose not to go. Lima News put it out there like I burned down someone's house going around like Bonnie and Clyde. That's after not the this, point. <laughs> look, he's saying he didn't. He said after this post, post took off like it did, I started having fun with it. I did it for all my idiot friends. Go ahead, Chip. So he's in control, is what he's saying. Yeah. Don't call, don't call me an idiot. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jerry's still out, uh, Chip Pug. Oh, <laughs> no, it was Doug Pug. Doug Pug. <laughs> Doug Chip Pug. Yeah, Doug, Doug Chip Pug. Pug. We also get a notice from him, thanks to your shooting. We're going to be checking our emails. It'll be a birth certificate in it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, man. The end. Cool guys. Well, that wraps up the zeitgeist for this week. We hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we did. Look forward to talking to you guys again next week and every Sunday at dailydynamic.com via the daily network that you can download um either via iTunes or Stitcher Radio. We hope you guys are enjoying our show. Be sure to reach out to us on social media, and we will see you next week. Listen to the Zeitgeist every Sunday at DailyDynamic.com.